As we continue along in our Leadership Masterclass series, we had the honor of sitting down with one of the most sought-after international speakers, Kirsty Spragon. Drawing on her own experience and a life-altering decision to move halfway across the globe, Kirsty has the ability to help the audience connect with themselves and others in a deeper and more meaningful way. Her videos have been watched by more than 1.7 million people in 120 countries, and she's been featured in everything from Fox Business, Women's Health, Forbes, and The Today Show, to name a few. She's taking her passionate work directly to the people by organizing a first-of-its-kind event series, Truth Telling for Truth Seekers. In this Ideas Night, Kirsty challenges Ivy members to approach leadership by first understanding their own authentic self. To be a leader is to be a great person, and to be a great person, you have to first do the deep inner work. They asked 75 members of the Stanford Graduate School Business Advisory Council, it's a mouthful, 75 of the members what the number one capability for leadership was. And the answer was almost unanimous. It was self-awareness. Now, self-awareness isn't something that's on the curriculum for most leadership and management programs. And yet, they answered that it was the number one capability that they believed was required for a great leader. A little bit concerning, right, for all of us that didn't study self-awareness. It's kind of a big deal. What is self-awareness? Self-awareness is our ability to be introspective, to be conscious of who we are, how we're showing up in the world, how we think others perceive us, how they actually perceive us. All of those interesting, exciting, sometimes painful questions. It's tough to look inside. And so most of us struggle with wanting to do that. But to gain self-awareness, we must be willing to tell the truth, at least to ourselves, at least to ourselves. It is my personal mission for people to understand that you cannot go professionally where you will not go personally. Just let that sink in for a minute. You cannot go professionally where you will not go personally. If you're not willing to do radical self-inquiry, because that's what self-awareness is, It's being willing to look within even when we don't always want to, to do that deep inner work. So painful as it is, we have to recognise that talent isn't enough. Who knows someone who is scary, smart, super talented and can't seem to get it together, right? We all know someone, hopefully it's not you. But we all know someone like that. And I want you to think for a moment about that person. What is it about them? Because usually it's the messy humans. It's things like fear and insecurity, a lack of confidence or overconfidence, behaviours that are dysfunctional and show up as arrogance, defensiveness, cockiness, that messy humanness is usually showing that they have an utter lack of self-awareness. So talent 
is not enough. To be successful in life and in business, we have to be willing to dig in to the nitty-gritty of who we are. So there are some amazing truth-tellers from the past who've done a great job at this, from Rosa Parks, who stood up on that bus, to Princess Diana, who was willing to shake the hands of HIV patients at a time when that was very unconventional and unheard of. People like Oprah Winfrey, who have built a three billion, with a B, billion dollar empire out of telling not only her truth, but her guest truth. People like Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela and Gandhi and so many other great leaders have been truth tellers. And truth telling for me, this is what I believe is self-awareness on steroids. Because it's one thing to do the inner work and it's one thing to become self-aware and know who we are and how we're showing up. It's a whole other thing to put that in action and to live it, to live the things that we learn about ourselves, to be willing to take feedback. So there are also some really amazing modern day leaders who are truth tellers. Sheryl Sandberg, the COO at Facebook, has been someone who I think is just doing some incredible things out there in the truth-telling space. She, uh, who's seen Plan B, which is a a division around resilience that she has has a book and TV series and a whole lot of different things that you can follow. But this really stemmed out of her sharing a personal truth around losing her husband. Uh, Jeff Weiner from LinkedIn is another one doing an amazing job of this if you haven't had a chance, take a look at his recent interview with Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday. Now, she doesn't usually interview CEOs on that show. It's people like Deepak Chopra, gurus and meditators, Super Soul. Um, But she interviewed him because he talks about compassionate leadership. And he talks about being willing to tell the truth in situations like when you have to fire someone. So, There are some great examples of people who are doing this. Ariana Huffington, you know, she cracked her head open from exhaustion and has now written a book around sleep and the importance of owning up to her truth that she wasn't willing to to talk about back then, that she was pushing herself beyond her limits, that she wasn't self-aware enough to know, hey, it's time to stop. Um, She recently wrote a letter, an open letter to Elon Musk, imploring him to get some sleep and not be working 120 hours. So... Truth-telling, I believe, is the most underutilized edge that a leader can have. When we have this ability, how it shows up in our workspace, I mean, I think that this is something that shows up in your personal life, in your relationships as a leader, in not just business, but in your community and in your friendships. Because once you start telling big truths, you start telling all the small truths. And once you start telling it in one area of your life, you start telling it everywhere because you can't live your soul, there's such a freedom that comes from this space that you can't live in a way it starts to feel inauthentic. So the ways that it shows up in business in particular are things like this, you know, being able to have courageous conversations, to deal with conflict head on, to build trust, to speak up and express your opinions and ideas, to be brave enough to take smart risks and to give and receive feedback. But this isn't easy. Being willing to be vulnerable enough to dig into this stuff, 
I know more than anyone what I'm asking of you. I know that this is not easy. It can be painful at times, but I can guarantee you that you will live a more fulfilled life once you start to learn how to get past those initial growing pains of becoming self-aware and becoming a truth teller. Being seen, research shows that it's the number one or one of the number one fears that leaders have, being seen. Now, there is a distinction to make here. It's not being seen in terms of our accomplishments because most people are okay with that. It's being seen in terms of our shadow side, our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, our insecurities, having that all put out there, not so easy, right? That stuff's hard. But to become authentic, we have to be willing to take the emotional risk of being vulnerable. To be vulnerable takes courage. And to do all of that takes you being willing to dig in deep to this radical self-inquiry and to look at yourself. So if being seen is like kryptonite for us personally and professionally, then I believe that truth has to become your superpower. How do you find a way to see this as possibly the greatest gift in your life, to understand that your truth could be something that could actually become part of your dharma, part of your purpose, part of the way that you lead? Being seen. Being seen, if this is one of the biggest fears that leaders have and it's our kryptonite and our truth can become our superpower, how do we get to a place where we're willing to be seen? So I mentioned earlier that I know what it feels like to not be seen, to not want to be seen. And I spent probably 20 years of my life trying to hide my truth because I thought that if anybody knew my truth, that they would reject me or they would judge me There was a lot of shame and stigma attached to it. And I guess my upbringing and my circumstances contributed to that stigma. What happened to me might have been nothing to somebody else. But that's what I've learned about holding on to things that we don't want others to see, whether it's a secret or something shameful. It usually only has that meaning for us. And it's a prison of our own making. I spent 20 years in that prison when I didn't need to. And I only know that now because I'm out of it. So my story is I started out in real estate some 20 plus years ago. I was in the top 100 of 120,000 agents worldwide. And I was financially very successful and emotionally my bank account had a deficit. I was depressed and unhappy and scared most of the time. But what other people saw was this very powerful, strong, mostly aggressive, dominant woman. I wasn't ever able to soften into my vulnerability and my femininity because I had to always have that mask up. I was constantly having this wall between me and other people because if they got too close, they might see things that I didn't want them to see. And I started to get these wake-up calls. And these wake-up calls were telling me that it was time to tell my truth, but I wasn't ready. I understood that truth-telling was the way to unlock 
the prison that I had put myself in, but it took me a while to get to a place where I was willing to tell my own. So I started by telling other people's. I developed an online show called Kirsty TV where I interviewed over 100 people who shared their truth, whether they had been through addiction, rape or trauma. They shared these difficult life situations and how they had found their way through it. But I would go to bed at night and I would be haunted by the fact that I was asking them to share their truth and I wasn't willing to share my own. And so these wake-up calls started to get more and more persistent until I got to a place where I was ready. I don't think the fear ever left me, but I understood that I needed to do it. And instead of taking the small way, I decided to take a very bold road that was left travelled, and I did a TEDx talk, and not just shared this with a couple of people, but shared it with the whole world. But I felt like that was what I needed to do, just truly set myself free for good. So I'm going to show you a short clip from that TED talk. So my heart is beating out of my chest. If the microphone was on my heart, you would be able to hear it beating a million miles per minute because I have a secret that I'm going to share. We all have secrets. As they said in the earlier show that sometimes they're silly things, sometimes they're frivolous. But I think a lot of us carry secrets that are deeper than that. A lot of us carry secrets that have stigma and shame and guilt attached to them, that we bury deep inside. So, my secret, three little words, so easy to say and yet the most difficult thing for me. I have herpes, not the kind up here, the kind down there. My brother laughed out loud so hard when I told him that he cried because he said, I thought it was going to be something more serious than that. But the truth is that our secrets only have that meaning for us, that deep stigma, that shame and that guilt they, that manifests over so many years of hiding it. I kept my secret for 18 years. 18 years. What an absolute waste. So, thank you. <laughs> so just check in with yourself for a minute. How did you feel when you heard my truth? There's a lot of different responses and reactions that people have to hearing somebody else's truth. Some of you will understand more than others why this was a big deal, why this mattered so much to me. But ultimately, what it was truly about was the fact that my secret had such a hold over me and it was running my life. And it wasn't until I told my truth that I realised just how much it had been running the show, whether it was every time I was wanting to be dating and feeling like my freedom had been taken away from me, whether it was through the way it showed up in a lack of self-worth and self-esteem and self-confidence or putting up that wall and that vulnerability and not wanting to be seen and not allowing me to be authentic or feeling like a fraud because it was directly related to the work I was doing around my TV show and truth-telling. So this talk is not about you having to go and have a boardroom meeting and sit down with your boss and tell them all of your secrets. This, this talk is not about you sharing all of your flaws um, and it's not about everybody knowing what you do on a weekend. So 
What is it about? The, the truth for you is about how can you make sure that you show up and are truly able to be seen, that nothing is holding you back from being able to be the most authentic, full version of yourself. So in the time that we have tonight, I'd love to go through hundreds of distinctions and layers around this truth-telling work, but we have less than 90 minutes, probably less than that now. So I'm gonna go through and introduce you to three core areas that I believe are the foundational parts of becoming a truth-teller, becoming self-aware, becoming a more authentic, vulnerable and courageous version of yourself through the work of truth-telling and how you can live and breathe that as a leader. So where do we begin? Well, it always begins with those whispers. Who's had a whisper from the universe? A little tap, a little nudge. Who's had a bitch slap from the universe? You know, when you ignore it, it shows up maybe as disease in the body, maybe as a heart attack. Let's hope that we listen before it gets to that point, right? But just like I did, there were signs for years that I was ignoring. Now, I don't have any regrets. This has led me to who I am and where I am today, but wouldn't it have been great if I'd listened 20 years earlier, if I'd maybe been brave enough? Because here's the thing, on the day that I did that TEDx talk, the fear was still with me. The fear was still with me. It never goes away. You are gonna have to learn how to hold its hand and take it with you. And the only way to get to everything that you hope for in life, that true version of yourself, is to be willing to go through it and get to it. To be willing to go through that fear and that hard stuff and that discomfort and that pain. So the first distinction I wanna make is around reframing pain. Because this is really at the core of why most of us don't wanna look at ourselves and don't wanna do this deep inner work is because for most of us, it is excruciatingly painful. So how do we start to reframe pain? You know, it really takes big balls. Now, I don't encourage anyone to Google squirrel photos with big balls, because you're gonna get a whole lot more than just this photo. But it really does take big balls. You have to be willing to sit in the struggle of it. Struggle is required. Do you know when a butterfly is in its chrysalis, if you try to help it out, it actually dies. Struggle is required for it to turn into that butterfly, to have this part of this transformation into your best self, your most authentic, true part of yourself. Struggle is required. We have to be willing to embrace the uncomfortable. There was a study done at a university, I believe it was in Virginia, Carolina, and um, somewhere like that, somewhere out there, don't quote me, but basically they put people in a room alone by themselves. They had previously said that they, you couldn't pay them any amount of money to be electrically shocked. They were left alone for six to 15 minutes. 67% of the men decided to get electroshocked rather than sit alone without a device by themselves. The women were a lot less, so I don't know what that says. <laughs> but, but isn't that crazy that we've gotten to a point where we are so unwilling to sit 
just purely on a mat, a yoga mat, on a meditation mat, whatever it might be, without something distracting us just to be alone with our own thoughts. So a few years ago, after I did the TEDx talk, I started getting hundreds and thousands of emails from all over the world from people asking me how. How do I get brave enough to be willing to be seen like that? And so I brought in a therapist and a psychotherapist and I created a six-week program. And I learned something from the psychotherapist that changed my life forever. I learned that the research shows that our emotions are not discerning. That when we numb pain, we numb joy. Now, I'm gonna say that again, because honestly, this changed my life. Understand this. When you numb pain, fear, discomfort, you numb joy, happiness, and all the great stuff. Our emotions are not discerning. You feel something in the middle and you don't even know it. So what this did is sent me on a path for the next two years to truly live and learn that lesson. Every time I wanted to shift and get up off that mat, and not sit alone and get my electroshock, which really for all of us is what? Food, sex, drugs, alcohol, there's something that we're using to numb, to check out, to not feel, to not deal. Glass of wine, inhaling some pie. So around this time when I did this, uh, learnt this uh, from the psychotherapist, at the same time, maybe two or three weeks later, I went through a heartbreak. Oh. Isn't it horrible? Who's been through a heartbreak recently enough to remember the pain of it, right? So I'm in the gut-wrenching, like awful, horrible part of it, right? So I go to the supermarket, I'm barely dressed, I think I'm still in pajamas and some Ugg boots. Now, Australians don't actually go out in public in Ugg boots. That's something that people do in Los Angeles. <laughs> so it's saying something that I'm in the Ugg boots. I'm in the Ugg boots, I'm at the Vaughn supermarket, I've got my trolley and I am ready to numb. I go down the aisles, I put in, I've got literally three items, Kleenex, Magnum ice creams, and a loaf of bread. I knew it was bad, because nobody in LA eats bread. I've gotten to the car park, I've now got KFC, I've become a vegan, so I don't even know what was going on back then, but this was horrendous. So I'm in the car park, I'm crying, I've got glasses on, I've got some like, nuggets of some sort and dunking them in gravy. I'm just a total hot mess. And I catch myself and I'm like, oh my God, you've just learned this stuff. What are you doing? Like, you can't be numbing the pain. You've got to be willing to feel this. So you're going to be numbing all the good stuff. And I tell you, in that moment, I really didn't care. I was like, okay, all right, maybe like tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, like can't I just have a week of like magnums and ice cream and bread? <laughs> so here's the thing, it didn't change overnight. You know, it certainly takes some time. Self-awareness is the first step, I say to people. You know, after this talk, I, I gave a talk where I shared that story I just shared with you and it was shared online. Somebody sent me a message that she was watching the video right as she was eating pizza. And so she took it and put dishwashing liquid all over and chucked it straight into the bin. She was like, I am not going to numb. And I thought, yes, good on you. But 
for, not for everyone is it going to change instantly and in that moment. Sometimes you're still going to inhale the pie or grab that glass of wine, but I guarantee you once you become aware of it and you notice yourself and you catch it, it took me about two years to get to a point where 70% less numbing, less checking out, more feeling, reframing pain. So what I did is that once I understood that numbing pain would numb joy, I decided that I wouldn't label these emotions because we tend to make them good or bad. We judge them, we make them wrong or right, but they all just are. So what if instead I embraced pain? What if instead I saw the beautiful gift that came from heartache, from feeling grief and loss and knowing that my heart could fully feel all of that? So I reframed the way that I saw it and I started to think of it as a gift. Self-awareness takes reflection. We have to be willing to look within. And I think that something that has been life-changing for me, and I believe that if it's something that you are disciplined about and you take the time to work on, it's these three questions. What worked? What didn't? And what do I need to do differently? Now, whether this is after a conversation with a family member, a friend, a colleague, an employee, or whether this is after a networking event like tonight, whether this is after you present or do a pitch or have a huge opportunity at work or something good or bad happen in your life or just on a Friday night, if you start asking yourself these three questions, your life will change. What worked, what didn't, and what do I do, need to do differently? That reflection is the essence of self-awareness being willing to check in with ourselves afterwards and go, how did I show up? What worked about that interaction, about my communication? What didn't? Did I show up as my most authentic version of myself? Did I speak my truth? Who's had an experience, whether it was with a friend or a colleague or at a networking event or after you've done a presentation, we've just gone, oh, I don't like how that felt. I don't like who I was being, right? So I had an experience with somebody who I knew quite well and I would say we would consider each other friends. And after I got off this call, I was just like, oh, why did you show up like that? And I had shown up with the masks, with the bravado, with the need to tell them about everything I was doing, to let them know how successful I was. Because this insecure part of me had shown up in that conversation, feeling inadequate. This person was doing some incredible things in the world. And so this old part of me, this old story was triggered in that moment. And all we can do after that is ask ourselves what worked and what didn't and what can I do differently? to practice forgiveness and self-awareness and compassion with ourselves, And the more that you do this, the more you catch those moments and go, oh, that didn't feel good. I don't want to do that again. Or you can have a conversation with that person and get real and clear it so that it doesn't happen again. Fear robs us often of our dreams. And the fear, as we talked about earlier tonight, of being seen, can be one of the biggest ones for robbing us of great moments in our life. When I think about 
all the great moments in my life. All the moments that were life-altering and life-defining, like becoming a speaker, leaving real estate, getting on a stage for the first time, moving to Hollywood, the truth that I didn't want to be in Australia, that I wanted to move to another country away from family and friends, the truth that I wanted to share my secret at a TEDx talk in front of the whole world and to put on a event with 11 performers. All of those life-changing, life-defining, beautiful moments wouldn't have existed in my life if I wasn't willing to put truth at the forefront, if I wasn't willing to listen to the whispers, the taps, the slaps that were saying to me, this is who you are. This is the truth of what you want in life. Instead, I would have had blank spaces where all of those amazing things that shaped me into who I am were. I know that truth Truth-telling has the power to change your life and you will never be as strong a leader as you will when you step into the power of your truth. So I hope that all of you find ways to start truth-seeking and truth-telling in your lives. Thank you so much for your time tonight. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.